Please remain standing and pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, now and fill us with your presence, Lord, so that you who spoke this word may speak it again to listening hearts and open ears. Lord, we, we can't do this without you. I can't preach this without you. We can't receive this without you. Every time we come to your presence at this moment in the service, Lord, we are keenly aware of our complete and utter dependence upon you. So come, Lord Jesus, and do a work among us this morning through the foolishness of preaching. We ask it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you are like me this morning, there were certain words that jumped right out at you from the text of the scriptures. There's a lot of great stuff in that uh, gospel text in particular that Deacon Ann read to us this morning. But there's one passage, one three uh, verse section that just really just kind of jumped off the page at me, and maybe it did for you as well. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we call this passage the great invitation, and it only occurs in one place in all four Gospels right here in Matthew chapter 11. And in this particular moment for the church in North America, these words come like a promise of cool water to souls that are parched and thirsty. Uh, these three short verses are like an oasis of refreshment in the midst of an unrelenting desert of bad news and turmoil and anxiety. We certainly have been experiencing those things. And by the way, even the fact that Jesus offers these words as an invitation is refreshing. Very clearly, in this moment of time, we are surrounded by powers that seek to dominate and coerce through force and bullying and even through the institutions that are intended as instruments of justice. And then in the midst of all of that bullying and coercion and force, we hear the voice of the only one, the only one who is rightfully called Master and Lord, and He doesn't offer commandment. He offers in this passage invitation. You know, the Christian faith is inherently an invitational faith. This really sets it apart from all the other major religions in the world. Jesus invited, Jesus invited His first disciples Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't coerce them. He invited them. And then Jesus invited. Remember in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler? He said, one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have, give to the poor, and then come follow me. The invitation was given. And the wonderful thing in that passage is even though the invitation was rejected, Jesus did not put him in a rugby tackle you know, grab them around the legs. By the way, if you've never been rugby, rugby tackled, you just don't know what tackling is all about. Where There was a, uh, when we were, I was a, a scout uh, camp counselor years and years ago, and we had a, an exchange student from the country of Wales, and he looked rather slight to me and very pale. He's very pale. There's not a lot of sunlight in Wales, evidently. And, uh, but he, we were playing um, tackle football, the staff was, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm just going to run right over this guy. 
I'm going to take that ball and I'm just going to run right over him. And he put me down so hard in a rugby tackle, uh, my head was swimming for the rest of the day. Jesus didn't do that with the rich young ruler. It says, the scripture says in Mark chapter 10, that Jesus looked at him and loved him and he let him walk away. The Christian faith is an inherently invitational faith. So just to be invited instead of being pressured or bullied or manipulated is refreshing. But then the content of this invitation is even more desirable and more refreshing than the invitation itself. So just listen to that invitation again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So who is Jesus inviting in this passage? Well, I love, first of all, that first word, all. <laughs> that's, a good, that's good news. Nobody's excluded. But particularly, all who labor, all who labor. You know, some translations that uh, read that as all who are weary. All who are weary. The sense is of the kind of exhaustion that comes from being on a long journey or from never-ending toil. Those who are just worn out by life. So don't you think right this minute there is a sense of weariness all around us? Do you feel that sense of weariness? Think about the weariness of the black community that has been calling attention to the real effects of racial injustice in this country for hundreds of years. And now when it seems that the majority community is starting to pay attention, there is, I see, I see eye rolling and, and sighs from some of my black brothers and sisters uh, because there is the weariness of feeling like, do we have to explain this all over again? Do we have to have this conversation again and answer your self-justifying questions all over again? And now, do we have to have our cry for justice and our movement co-opted again by other agendas that will yet again drown out our voices. And it just makes some of our brothers and sisters soul weary. But even if that isn't the weariness you feel, think about the day-to-day -day impact of the pandemic. Most of us are sitting here, everybody except for me, just this moment, because evidently I, my mouth needs to be visible so that I can preach. No, I think it does anyway. But people are weary during this time, this pandemic, weary of the maelstrom of confusion about the pandemic. We're weary of being told contradictory information. Some days we're told one thing, and some days we are told something else, and if you don't do it, you just want grandma to die. Well, we're weary of this, the strain that this is placing on us emotionally, but also the real financial strain it is placing on households, Weary about worrying about what's going to happen to our kids this fall. Is school going to start? Is it not going to start? Is it going to be at home? Is it going to be, how is this going to work? Am I going to have to take off of work to make sure my kids get an education? You can add to the list of things to be weary about in this particular time. But Jesus is specifically addressing in the context of this passage here in Matthew chapter 11, those who are weary and worn out by, now this is kind of counterintuitive, Weary and worn out by religion. That's the idea of being heavy laden or burdened here. In other words, normal people, normal people, Jewish people living in Palestine in the first century could not bear the weight of carrying the law of Moses in such a way as to feel that they were in a right relationship with God. And apart from that, there was the piling on 
the piling on of the religious leadership who, if you began to feel like you were having a right relationship with God and trying to keep the law of Moses, they were there to make sure you didn't feel that way. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 of that crowd, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Now listen to what he says. For they preach, but do not practice. And then he says, they tie up heavy burdens. Listen to that word, heavy burdens. Hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. That is the burden of legalism, of religiosity. And it is not life-giving, it is life-defeating. And some of us still feel that burden. Some of us still feel the weight of legalism. And we need to hear the gospel of, of the free good news about Jesus coming to bear the weight of the law on our behalf, perfectly fulfilling that law, so that united to Him, we no longer bear that, but He bears that. It sounds a lot like being yoked with Him. We constantly need to hear that good news over and over again because legalism, for many of us, is always there tapping on the window, beating on the door, saying, let me come in. You need to work harder, try harder to get God to love you. So we need to hear Jesus say, take my burden. Take my, take my yoke, which is easy and light. Let me have your burden. So some of us still feel that burden. But I think that there are other burdens right now that are dominating our lives. Please listen. There are burdens right now that are dominating our lives more than the burden of legalism. Now, I want you to just stop very quickly and think about that. What is the burden that you are bearing? More and more in this moment, I see people burdened, all people, every, I mean, just across the board it seems this way. I see people burdened with the weight of seething, unrelenting anger. People are carrying a burden of anger in our society right now. There is anger over injustice that we have personally experienced and anger that we feel on behalf of others who have been oppressed. There is anger over political and ideological convictions that lead to ideological and political Divisions. And you know, the news media has a, a vested advertising interest in keeping people furious. They have monetized outrage. We have a, we have a media, social media, and in, particularly, in particular the news media, I don't care what brand you consume, I mean, it can be the very soft-spoken and very erudite brand of NPR. <laughs> or maybe the more right-wing brand of the one right-wing voice on, uh, on broadcast TV, the Fox station, or could be all of the other alphabets on the other end of the spectrum. But the whole crowd is invested in keeping us outraged because it gets advertising and it gets support. Social media is worse. If you are spending time on social media interacting with people, you know that rage and anger are the emotion of the day. I mean, you can't, you can't go online and, and uh, leave a comment, the sky is blue, without having people just outraged at you. No, it's not. 
It's polluted and we're all going to die. <laughs> or whatever. If you're sw- spending time on social media interacting with people, you know that we are swimming in a sea, unfortunately, of what I would call emotional sewage. We've lost the love of our fellow human beings. I don't see that. And while we, many of us live a double life where we're horrible online and fairly nice in person, mm-hmm, that happens, uh, it still begins to percolate, percolate back up. And you see that in people's lives. I feel the tug of that. People want to see harm come to those who disagree with us. People are filled with scorn and contempt for others in a way that I've never seen in my whole life. This is the kind of anger that Jesus Christ specifically warned against. In Matthew chapter 22, he, call, he uses the term orgizestai, orgizestai, which is a Greek word for a kind of an unending, seething, simmering anger, constant state of brooding anger, and it's like an acid to the soul. It will kill your peace. It will kill your relationship with others. And it will eventually destroy your relationship with God. You know, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, verse 12, Jesus speaks to days like our day, to a day like our day, he said this, and because iniquity shall abound, because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. The love of many shall grow cold. And don't we see that? Or James chapter 1 warns us that the, this is James 1, 20, for the wrath of man, the anger of humanity, does not create the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. To be angry in that human way that we are all being seduced into and it seems to be ubiquitous in this moment in our culture is not the path of right relationship with God and with other people. And over against the burdens that we bear, how do we find then that rest and this peace, this freedom from anxiety and anger that Jesus promises? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So the first thing, excuse me, the first thing that we have to do in order to find rest for our souls is you have to take Jesus' yoke. You know, when I was a little boy, we had horses, and in the tack room of the stables, and I remember this, my, one of my earliest memories in life is my granddaddy taking me, I don't know where it was, it might have been Lumberton, it might have been Laurenburg, I don't know where it was, but it was somewhere in driving distance, easy driving distance from Rockingham, North Carolina, Hamlet, North Carolina. And I remember being taken by my granddaddy to the horse auctions. My granddaddy uh, would uh, train Tennessee walkers and uh, quarter horses and things like that, so he was, he was a literal horse trader. And uh, I remember going to, to that, uh, that, that cell with him. And I remember in the tack room of our stables, back on the back wall, these were, by the way, when you think of stables, don't think of fancy stables. Think of normal people with horses' stables. This is not, these were not the, uh, this is not Kentucky bluegrass kind of stables, all right? These are North Carolina regular folks kind of stables. And, uh, and on the back wall of that tack room, there was an ox yoke. And I remember it very clearly. 
I remember how it smelled in that room. I remembered everything about that. But that yoke, what was that yoke for? Well, it was to take a team of oxen and put them together in a pair so that they, those, two, those two animals in harness together could walk side by side and pull a load. So here's what you and I need to know about Jesus' metaphor of taking his yoke upon you. Are you ready? First of all, you can't take the yoke of Jesus. Ready? You can't take the yoke of Jesus if you already are wearing a yoke. If you already have a yoke on, you can't take another one on. You can't wear his yoke until you take yours off. And only you know the yoke that you are wearing. And so I, w- I want to ask you to do something right now. This is not something I normally do, but I just want you to take a moment, and I'm going to pray, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the yoke that you are carrying right now. Holy Spirit of God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, give me a tender heart to see, to hear your voice, and to see and to recognize the yoke that I am bearing that I need to take off to take your yoke. And for everyone in this room, Lord, right now, in this moment of silence, that you would fill fill them with the knowledge of what they are carrying. Lord, there's yokes of loneliness. Someone's bearing a, a lonely yoke. Nobody in that yoke but you. Uh, Others are bearing a yoke of physical pain. Uh, Yoke of fear. Show us the yoke we bear. The yoke of never feeling like we're good enough. There's a lot of those yokes. Now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, I want to suggest you a yoke that I'm seeing more and more frequently in ministry. It is the yoke of the stories that we tell ourselves that harm us. They're stories that we tell to ourselves that are harming us. For instance, there are the juicy little narratives of real or imagined slights and injustices that we have been dealt by life and by others. They start in childhood and they never seem to end. They are yokes of resentments carefully curated until they become, those resentments become the defining mythos, the defining myth of our identity. And if that is true of us, we will tend to protect these destructive, self-told stories from any contradiction. But if we will not trust Jesus enough to lay down that burden and trust him to give us a new, life-giving, Jesus-defined identity, we will be crushed, we will be crushed by that burden until the burden that we're carrying until we are nothing but a compressed little ball of grievance and resentment and bitterness. So whatever the yoke is that you're bearing this morning, uh, brothers and sisters, listen, you are not designed 
to carry that burden on your own. You're not, you are not created to do that. The story that you tell, whatever the burden is, whatever the yoke is that is not life-giving to you, you are not created to carry that. That's going to bring, it's going to, it's going to be death-dealing and it will suck the life out of life. So won't you listen to Jesus this morning tell you that story is not true. You are more than the sum of your loneliness or your physical pain or of, the, or of the offenses you have suffered. Let me take that burden from you and give you a new identity that wears easy and is radiant with my light. Won't you let Jesus help you take your yoke off and put his yoke on? Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me. So how do we take the yoke? Well, it says, Jesus says, learn from me. But that word there about learn from me is kind of misleading because we hear that as like, I need to acquire more head knowledge about stuff. But that's not really what that word means there. It's not really the implication in that passage. It's more about having our life formed by Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and be formed by me. Be discipled by me. It might be a literal translation, but the idea is of formation. So let me ask you, who are you being formed by? Who are you learning from? Is your defining story coming from Jesus? Is your defining narrative coming from Jesus? Who are you listening to? Is there an inner voice of... Uh, and, you know, um, the reason that uh, God gives parents' children is so that they can create new consumers for counselors later on in their lives. So I know, I mean, all of us parents are, have messed up. We've all messed up. Uh, except for me, I was perfect. Uh, no, please, don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have objective evidence to the contrary. But perhaps that story is one that you began to hear very early in childhood. Why can't you ever do right? Why can't you ever try hard enough? Why are you not applying yourself? It could be many things. You'll never amount to anything. Who are you listening to? Let me, let me offer you a humble suggestion. Um, be brave enough to let the Holy Spirit tell you the story that you've been living by that's not true. And then begin to let Jesus take that from you. How about this? How about stop filling your minds with the sewage pumped out by social media and the news media and instead listen to Jesus, be formed by Jesus. The primary way that we do that, obviously, is to be soaked in the Word of God. We're also formed by Jesus through what we're doing right now this moment. We're going through a liturgy that is not just about, you know, oh boy, the prayer, the prayer book. Give me you know, a prayer book so that uh, I won't have to think about what I'm doing on Sunday morning. No, the, it's designed to, by the actions that we do, the words that we hear repeated from Scripture, all that we do in this moment is to form us, but the primary means of formation is the prayerful consumption to read, learn, mark, and inwardly digest the Word of God. That is the primary story that we need to fill our hearts and minds with. And I can guarantee you right now, brothers and sisters, if you are feeling a constant 60-cycle hum of, of anxiety and anger in the background of your life all the time, we are not nearly meditating and reading God's Word enough. 
because we've allowed other voices to define us. Only when the mind of Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus begin to infuse us will we find rest for our souls. Why? He is gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. Does being gentle and lowly in heart describe you right now? We will find rest for our souls because Jesus, in verse 30, says that his yoke is easy. The word there in Greek is not Christos, but Krestos, and it means uh, rightly fitting. It's like the, uh, a master yoke maker has carved that yoke for that ox so that it doesn't chafe that animal's shoulder or neck in any way. It fits perfectly. It's like, um, it, it's, it's like something, you know, if you, get, if you get dressed up, if you ever get dressed up, I don't know, kind of like putting a bunch of stuff on like this, like vestments or whatever, you're kind of aware a lot of times that you're wearing all that dressed up stuff, right? But there's some clothes that you just put on and, and you don't even have to think about them. It just feels right. That's the kind of yoke that Jesus is saying. My yoke is easy. It's perfectly fitted just for you. It won't chafe you. It won't bind you. It won't burden you. You'll accomplish things because of it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, how can that be? Well, how can a burden be light? Well, let me ask you this. I've used this example before. Maybe uh, you've been, you're old enough to remember it. But uh, if, you, uh, if you take a great, great big draft horse like a Clydesdale horse and you were to able to appropriately yoke or harness that horse to a Shetland pony and you were to put that little pony and that great big draft horse together in harness and have them pull something, who's going to be bearing the weight? That Shetland pony is just going to be keeping in step. That Shetland pony will not be. I'm using agricultural and, uh, and, and uh, animal husbandry terms, and we don't have any connection with that anymore, do we? Just think about Budweiser commercials, all right? Don't think too hard. Don't get distracted. But those great big Clydesdales pulling that load, a Shetland pony in harness with them would feel no weight at all. The only remedy for the exhaustion and weariness that we feel in our lives is to come to Jesus. There's no other substitute. Bring your anxiety and anger and loneliness and fatigue and physical and emotional pain and lay them down at the feet of Jesus because he wants to give you rest for your soul. We take these burdens back up over and over again and he calls us to lay them down once again. Jesus cares. Listen, Brothers and sisters, if you are concerned about injustice, and we should be, we've talked about in recent weeks God's passion for justice. If you are concerned, if you care about injustice, let me tell you what, if you're carrying that, though, as a load, how dare you? Because Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, King of kings and Lord of lords, cares more about injustice than you do. Walk with him. Let him carry that burden. You just get in step with him. Jesus cares more about injustice than you do. Jesus cares more about the wounds that you have received than you do. Jesus cares more about the burden of guilt and sin that you bear than you do. He is able, more than able, to bear that load. So make no, mistoke, make no mistake, being yoked with Jesus, by the way, is not quietism, it's not passivity, but by definition, to be yoked implies movement because you have to stay in step with Jesus. Paul talks about that in Galatians. Therefore, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
being yoked to Jesus prevents us from passivity and from indifference and, yes, from trying to direct our own lives. When we are yoked to Jesus, we're saying, I'm going to go the direction you're going in. But a yoke also, listen, protects us, prevents us from frenetic, anxious activity. Frenetic, anxious activity. Don't just pray, do something. No, most of us need to pray and then do something. Being yoked to Jesus keeps us from running ahead of Him. Please listen. Being yoked to Jesus keeps us from, being, from running ahead of Him because of our perception of what we think is most urgent. Most urgent in that moment. When we are yoked to Him, we will move when He moves and we will rest Rest when he rests, and all at exactly the right time. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble of heart. Our king, our Lord, is gentle and humble. That's the same thing we heard read from the Old Testament today. Rejoice. This is Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Jesus came into His glory riding on a colt of a donkey. And He was enthroned on the humblest of thrones, the cross. So that it, is it any wonder that Jesus is willing to come to us, His church, again and again by the humble means of bread and wine, or as I so frequently say, by the means of groceries. So in preparation to meet our Lord here at this table and to offer Him our yoke so that He can give us His light and easy yoke, would you pray with me right now? Bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, I feel wearied and burdened and now, through the Holy Spirit, I lay down whatever I am carrying that is not bringing life, but it is bringing a sense of being heavy laden. And I turn that over to you. Please give me your light and easy yoke. Please give me rest for my soul. As I come to receive you through bread and wine, I will take your light and easy yoke upon me. Thank you, Jesus, for refreshing me. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing my burden. Thank you, Jesus, that on your strong shoulders, the weights that I carry can be transferred so that I can have your peace instead. I receive that now with gratitude. In your holy name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. Won't you stand with